You're listening to Songs Out Loud from St. Louis, Missouri. I'm Aaron Dorr. This podcast documents the life of a song. Everything from what inspired the original idea to how it came together in the studio. With the help from isolated instrument and vocal tracks called stems supplied by the artists, I recorded them reflecting back on their creative process with it and compiled it all here in a documentary-style show-and-tell. It's a behind-the-scenes tour of their song, instrument by instrument, lyric by lyric, and beat by beat. The new single from alternative rock band Foxing was released approximately 10 days before it was released. It was about two weeks ago the band began retweeting recorded renditions of their new song by fans who hadn't heard the song yet, because it hadn't come out yet. But, we had found out, the song's chords and lyrics could be uncovered by completing a round of clever text-based gameplay on the band's album release site drawdownthemoon.org. The band shared about a dozen of these, quote, pre-covers over the course of two weeks before finally dropping the official version of Go Down Together last Saturday. I didn't know any of this at the time of my chat with lyricist and singer-instrumentalist Connor Murphy, mostly because it had only just begun, and there are still four rituals that remain locked. In this episode, Connor shares what he was thinking during the writing of Go Down Together. We start by going back to the song's original title. Hi, I'm Connor Murphy, and I play in the band Foxing. I believe I titled it Lobster Bib. Um, no idea. I, it's just, you know, working titles are just, they are truly whatever is in your mind at the moment when you're hitting save. So, uh, I was just thinking of how stupid everybody looks when they put a lobster bib on. Like you can be the most professional person in the world or like, you know, like a really tough guy. But then when you put a lobster bib on, you look like a baby. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) So I, uh, I, yeah, so it was called lobster bib and I believe it was, I think it was the core element. So it was the, the base, um, two of the synthesizers, one that's doing the chords, one that's doing the slightly arpe- arpeggiated, like, um, glissandos. And then drums. Um, and then I I might have had uh, that vocal melody, but probably just going, like, da-da-da. Ba-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-
you know, multi-track add to it. Uh, so, okay. The initial synth bass is, it started with a, uh, a virtual instrument, um, just something, some dinky thing on, on Logic, uh, just to kind of get the idea out. And then it evolved. Uh, we played it on a Moog subfatty. And then at a certain point, Eric got some magical concoction of things, which is what that initial synth sound is. That really, it was like I was in the room while he was like kind of cycling through a bunch of different effects and uh, patches. And he found this just magical concoction that sounded original, but still had this element of uh, Michael Jackson's Thriller. Here in post-production, I'm wondering if he's actually talking about the album Thriller and the song Beat It. That's what I'm assuming. If you listen to that initial bass, especially by itself, you hear the um, the sustain on it has this weird airy thing happening. Like the, uh, the bass sustain itself kind of uh, falls off the decay uh happens but the airiness holds out it just reminded me so much of that the very start the bong, bong, bong. cuz again it like it doesn't actually sound like that thriller bass but it it has like just the the airy sustain of that uh which i love Since I got going, I've been going for broke. Well, if I do, you say we'll go down there together. Essentially, the where this the go down together comes from is actually uh, the Trails End by Bonnie Parker. Bonnie Parker is uh, the Bonnie of Bonnie and Clyde. So, uh, not a whole lot of people know it, but Bonnie Parker was also a poet. Um, and she wrote this uh, this poem, The Trail's End, um, towards the end of her life uh, when, you know, Bonnie and Clyde knew that, you know, the walls were kind of closing in on them. Uh, it's a very famous poem, and it's a very famous last stanza of a poem, but here it is. It is, uh, someday they'll go down together, they'll bury them side by side. To few it'll be grief, to the law a relief, but it's death for Bonnie and Clyde. Um, so that really spoke to me and it really, uh, got me excited about the, uh, just about Bonnie and Clyde. So I read a book actually entitled Go Down Together, uh, that is a biography of, uh, Bonnie Parker and Clyde Barrow. And, um, they're monsters of people, but they, uh, I, I felt a relation to it, which I think a lot of people do, especially in troubling economic times like this. It was during the Great Depression, and like they were really going through the most hopeless times possible, where no matter what they did, no matter how smart they were or how hard they worked, they were just doomed to be poor and, you know, the bottom of the barrel lowest class. I mean, Bonnie Parker, she was a a pretty brilliant poet um, and she had dreams of being like, you know, a a movie star. And it just like those things could not happen. I felt this connection to it. I was seeing a decade 
of doing foxing on the horizon, which is actually this year, 2021 is uh, marks the decade of us being a band. And I don't know, for me, like turning 28 and looking at the last decade and saying like, you know, where are we at right now? Um, and the biggest thing with that is uh, financially speaking. So this song was a, a huge driving force of it is like, I am broke and I feel like I've put in my dues. I feel like I've really like just worked my ass off for this thing. And, you know, also just being very depressed, uh, combining those ideas with, uh, what's really gotten me through that feeling of like, um, you know, this is going nowhere, which is, uh, my girlfriend, Blake. Um, we've been together for five years and, uh, we've really kind of gone through it, uh, together and like, I would have quit this band probably years ago at this point if it wasn't for her. By the end of our conversations, I remember that like, no, I'm doing this because it's important to me and that it's, uh, it's what I've always wanted to do. And even if I'm, you know, just dead broke, uh, I still know that I'm, I'm doing something that uh, I believe in and something that I feel passionately about. So I was looking at that and kind of going, no matter how hard I work and no matter how hard Blake works, we are, are kind of doomed to never really be wealthy people, to never really uh, know true uh, luxury and wealth. And the one thing that we really do have is each other, uh, similar to the way that Bonnie and Clyde truly found love with each other and were, you know, <laughs> truly happy doing anything, whether it was robbing banks or just, you know, sitting on a, a porch together. Um, and that's putting it simply, by the way, they have a very <laughs> intense, uh, you know, volatile history together. But anyway, I, <laughs> yeah, it's all pretty dark. <laughs> side by side, we'll go down there together. Yeah, I mean, it's not, uh, you know, specifically dedicated to Blake, but it's, um, it's, de I definitely wrote it with her in mind of, you know, uh, as long as, you know, as long as we have each other, it's really like, I, I can kind of keep doing this and, uh, keep dealing with the anxiety and the, the depression of like, you know, this might never <laughs> make me, uh, uh, a livable amount of money, but like, to, you know, together with our love, it is, uh, we, we live a survivable life and we're actually happy, you know. Yeah, I love these lyrics. I, I love, I love these maybe more than any other song on the, well, with the exception of the last song, Speak With The Dead, I think this might be my second favorite set of lyrics. I mean, I'm also just proud of the research I did for it with, uh, you know, even though there's not like, it's not uh, biographical or anything like that. You know, I read, and <laughs> this is rare for me, I read an entire book and I, you know, studied this poem over and over again. Um, to me, the best thing in the world is uh, when you really, you really sink a bunch of time into researching something and then it, it becomes this expansive thing, like essentially something that, you know, you can see on like Lyrics Genius and 
the whole thing's annotated and you're like, whoa, there's, there's a lot to this. Because it's something I respect in other artists. Uh, like, that is my favorite thing in the world. The isolated drum track of this song reveals an interesting finishing touch. It's distorted. Sometimes when things are processed this way, they're said to be clipping. Here on drums, while not unheard of, it's unusual enough to explore a little. Well, I mean, that's a really interesting question because I I never really think too much about specifically drums clipping uh, versus not. You know, I personally, I feel like I, I tend to like um, more, I don't know. I tend to like softer kind of indie indie rock stuff like, you know, Bell and Sebastian or the No Twist or something. But I, I do I do think one of the first examples of drums that I was just very in love with was uh, uh, St. Vincent's uh, self-titled album. thinking specifically about uh rattlesnake that song there is so much of that song is so slammed compression wise um and there's also just quite a bit of uh i don't know there's a lot of effects going on john congleton mixed that and he he also mixed uh this album draw down the moon so that's a really interesting way of thinking about it because uh yeah, like he definitely, you know, that is a, a style of mixing or there's, I mean, there's just a lot uh, to love about that whole record, but the drums and bass really, really stick out. Um, and I think it's because it is also slammed. Which was actually something very alarming to us when we got our first mixes from uh, John because it was really the first time we had heard drums and bass come out so far to the forefront. This is the first record where Eric was the lone producer. And so I essentially acted as like an assistant where, um, you know, I'd run lines for him or set up mics. And in terms of that, it was really a thing where... um, Eric was excelling so much uh, during Near My God and uh, going beyond that in between Near My God and Draw Down the Moon to the point where he was the one communicating with John, uh, who was mixing the record. So Eric was able to communicate really well with him, knowing every single aspect of which outboard gear everything was running through, which microphones were used, exactly how he wanted things to be panned. Um, As far as writing goes, we were very collaborative. So Eric really took what I wrote in the chords. He he really took it and ran with it, especially that palm muted part. That's one of my favorite parts on the guitar parts on the record, actually. But um, the way Eric writes is very different from the way I write, and. Usually I start from a vocal melody, whereas Eric starts from something like conceptual, like I want to make, and I'm not even trying to uh, put words in Eric's (laughs) mouth or anything, but 
it's more experimental because he comes from a more uh, learned background. <laughs> You know, he writes with more of kind of like a neoclassical brain, whereas I write for more of like a songwriter, singer-songwriter style. Um, so when he does that, a lot of times he brings me things that I, uh, either the rhythm or the tempo or the um, the key is just something's, or a combination of those things is something that I just can't make anything to. Yeah, so I do not know um, what my real range is. I know... I mean, off the top of my head, I do know that, you know, D is always my, the key of D major is always my friend. Um, that's that's just one thing that <laughs> we always know, like like Eric specifically knows if he writes something in D major that uh, I'll, I'll be able to do something with it. <laughs> and now let's hear the complete finished song. This is Go Down Together. Oh, shit. 
The artists you hear on Songs Out Loud agree. Your digital music and merchandise purchases from their websites or even places like Bandcamp are among the most direct ways you can support them. This is the third episode of season one for Songs Out Loud, and it's been really fun making these. I'm so grateful to the very busy Foxing team for all their permissions here, and Connor especially for his sincerity sharing his artistic vision and personal headspace with me. Songs Out Loud is produced, engineered, and mixed by me, Aaron Dorr. But I got the idea to do this from my favorite music podcast, Song Exploder, over at Radiotopia and PRX, hosted by Rishikesh Hirway, and you should definitely be subscribed there, too. Till next time. What, uh, do you know the chords of this song, or what key is in? Speaking of keys. Let's see. It is in... Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in D? No, wait. It's your friend. Uh, I feel like that's not right, though. No. Is it right? Maybe it's not. We can... I'll figure them out later. I just wanted to know if you knew right away. Yeah, it should be D. Mm-hmm. Unless this guitar's that's out of tune. <laughs> no, that sounds right. <laughs> so key of D major. Or B minor. Wait, am I wrong here? Why? You want me to play it again? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, key of D. Uh, it, well, wait, it should be D sharp, though. Oh, is that D sharp? Yeah, I what think my it? guitar is just out of tune by a half step. Oh, what the hell? oh it's pretty bad. Oh, <laughs> crap. <laughs> oh, yeah, D sharp. Okay, <laughs> so um, that's fun.